Last time on System Mastery, tensions were high and the stakes were higher, as the Garibaldi tribe approached council with not one, but three idols of partial immunity. The canny remnants of what was once the Patagonian Toothfish tribe formed a secret alliance with Seth, the plucky ophthalmologist from White Plains, and Jeff quietly realized he'd never seen even a single episode of Survivor and had no business making an intro like this. None whatsoever. We're going to finish up our discussion about glyphs and then get drunk till January on System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, your host, Jeff. And also here is your other host, John. Oh, boy. It's both of us. We're here. Ooh, we're both here. John just recoiled by my magical transformation into talking on the internet voice. <laughs> it's like, it looked like you got hit by a hot blast of coffee enemas. Uh, that might have been your fart you had earlier. <laughs> I doubt it. That thing seemed pretty toothless, all things considered. I mean, it had weight and merit to it when it was coming out, but it doesn't seem to have much of a finishing oh, presence. Yeah. It definitely wasn't toothless, if you know what I mean. <laughs> What I'm saying was that was a fart with experience. That thing had trod the boards. <laughs> uh, okay. That's a fart you can believe in. <laughs> that's a fart you can trust. To, that to, fart to, is running for city council right now. That said, it didn't have any stink to it. It was just sort of a big, loud trumpet thing. <laughs> sort of a sort of a John Philip Sousa fart, it, it, as it were. As it were. Yeah. All pomp and no circumstance. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, anyway... Someone who's a huge fan of John Philip Sousa is going to come out, come after me now, and I, I feel real bad. I'm sorry, John Philip Sousa fans. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I am so sorry, John Philip Sousa fan XX27. I did not mean it. I hope that guy exists. <laughs> Quick, John, to Twitter. Quick. <laughs> I have nothing but time. Let's go get in fights. <laughs> Let's go find people to fight with. That should be hard on Twitter. <laughs> So, John, we were doing Glyphs, the RPG blueprint, I think, something like that, was yes, the, t- yeah, the full title of this game, uh, and it was mind-breaking. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we hadn't even finished half of this book yet. No. I mean, we got a lot of the meteor chunks that you would expect out of a game. We talked about the uh, the races, the classes your powers, and we ended on skills Mm -hmm. last time. So, Well, we haven't, for example, mentioned attributes yet, in case you were curious whether or not this game has, like, strength and agility. we did. We mentioned them, and they showed up when you did your bonus character, by the way, patreon.com slash systemmastery. Join our bonus content feed and learn all about John's character whose name escapes me. (laughs) That's right. Uh Uh-huh. But we didn't actually talk. we, We only mentioned that there were several and that they came in several types. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the races that you pick from, all of them are like, what do you have? Oh, I've got a strength of augmented. Okay, oh, what does that yes. mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a multiplier that will uh, that uh, will affect how much you get out of how many points you invest in each one of the various stats in the game. Except augmented isn't the same thing depending on what stat you're looking at. That is Because <laughs> augmented strength is a times three, but augmented essence is a times two. Yes, it, it basically informs you of a modifier's series that you will then apply to another series of stat cost ranges 
And oh my god, I forgot how much this was annoying me because we separated these game these episodes by Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we get to end the year with this nonsense. That's the best way to end the year. Yeah. But, this year needs to end with nonsense. How was your holiday season, by the way? My holiday season five was five seconds. Great. Yeah. Okay. Can I can I just go ahead and state for the record? All this right. Is, let me go ahead and get out my stenographer pad. Thank you. Uh-huh. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna notary. Did you let know the record I, show. Yeah. I, did you know that I'm a uh, I'm a notary? I'm officially a licensed notary, so we're good here. This will. This now, will... are you a notary public or just a notary? Oh, I'm a notary private. Okay. Uh, which is to say that I can only do it behind closed doors, usually while the shower is running. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I know a lot of people had some tough years. 2019 is a tough year, mm-hmm. but this has been one of the best years I've had in a long time. I'm going to go right out and say that I finally got on meds that work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not starving to death. <laughs> That's true. You no longer live in a terrifying home. No, I'm not in a murder house where I'm living by myself and half of it doesn't work. <laughs> it was John's uh, 2018 or whatever year it was would have made an especially good movie because he slowly he was living in a house that was breaking and slowly forcing him to live, or, live in smaller and smaller parts of the house. It's like, oh, I have an entire three bedroom, two bath house to myself, except slowly this like rot just creeps in it's like well turns out that your sink doesn't work in the kitchen oh and by the way your toilet doesn't work in one of the bathrooms your shower doesn't work in the other bathroom and uh <laughs> looks like ooh, your washer and dryer unit the washer doesn't work dryer's fine though can't figure out how to get into the garage <laughs> it just slowly i was like man I can only live in little, like, I have to shower in one bathroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> take a dump in the other bathroom, yeah. sleep in one room. I have a computer in the other room because that's where the internet is. <laughs> uh, and now you live comfortably with friends. And now I'm in an actual place. I I think the Patreon has started to do well enough where I'm not scared that I will die at any given moment. Not me, though, so please keep those keep those. Uh, well, yeah, I don't have a kid to take yeah, care keep, of. Keep coming, subscriptions. I have a kid, and I have to give half my money to this guy who has zero kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I got <laughs> zero kid and one money. <laughs> and I have one kid and half money. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's been a good year, and ending it on <laughs> glyphs is a highlight. It can't hurt you that bad. So you had a nice Christmas then with family and yeah, friends and so on. Yeah, saw That's friends, good. went yeah. up to the Bay Area, mm-hmm. hung out in a cabin. We had snow on the last day we were there. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I got, we're starting family traditions here now because the daughter's old enough to like know what's going on a little tiny bit. She's, mm-hmm. you know, almost two. Um, so we were like, okay, this we have to have stockings at our house. We have to do presents at our house because this is the first year where we're, weren't all just piling into my parents' house at six in the morning and opening presents. The, the, the new normal is that we go over there for tamales at lunchtime. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that was really nice. It's nice to, that's a, that's an interesting feeling to be like Christmas is at my house now. I mean, granted it was at my house last year too, because my parents were renovating, but whatever. I mean, granted Christmas is at Fred's house and Bill's Bill's house. house. (laughs) (laughs) And there's way too many ostriches. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad it went well. And as we approach the new year, do you have any resolutions you'd like to declare? Anything to keep me from having to remember anything about Glyph? Do you have anything to declare mm-hmm. going into the new year? Keep in Fruit. mind, I'm a, keep in mind, I'm a notary private. <laughs> someday, I'm going to make notary lieutenant. 
Uh, no, I don't usually do the resolutions thing. Mm-hmm. I'm normally just like, I'm always trying to live my best life out here. Mm-hmm. Having a resolution is just sort of setting your up yourself up to be sad. Because mm-hmm. if it's something you want to do, you'll go do it anyway. But if you're like, I have a resolution, I'm going to do this, and then something happens and you can't, you're like, oh, I'm a big failure and a dumb idiot. I guess that's fair. I mean, I guess I could set a resolution to not get suddenly hospitalized again. That's, that's <laughs> but something. But you can't. Yeah, that's, that'd be a terrible resolution to do. You, oops, I got hit by a car. Well, okay, fine. I, I, I will set a resolution to not get hospitalized again for blood pressure. Well, there you go. I guess it could be from a sudden lack of blood pressure because all my, my blood's on a car. <laughs> yeah. That could be bad. Someone just stabbed you and all your blood came out. Yeah, that would really reduce my blood pressure. Yeah. You know, weirdly, I don't think it actually would, because blood pressure doesn't work even close to that way. Because that's not how blood pressure works. It's not like it's just a water balloon, and the easiest way to lower your blood pressure is to just drain some humors. Yeah, man, you get some leeches on there, it's great. How great would that be if that would be, instead of having to take like 18 different pills every day, I could just stick my arm into a vat of leeches and be like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, how great would that be? Take my blood out, little dudes. Instead of swallowing a couple pills, I could spend an hour with my arm being... sucked on by leeches so convenient it's so much better plus you get a bunch of pets (laughs) leeches count as pets all right so enough of that let's get back into the game so as as i mentioned there are some statistics to talk about uh there are something like 15 stats in this game uh they're divided between what is it john it's expressive and and something else Uh, prime uh prime thank you prime and expressive yeah so your prime ones are gonna be sort of the overarching category that your expressive mm-hmm. ones will be under. Okay, and John, let me ask you a quick question. How do the skill, the stats in this game interrelate to the skills in this game? They do not. Okay, so if you were to be asked to make a check that, that uh, involves your skills, would you also have to factor in your stats in any way? You would not. <laughs> okay, uh, and when you're just trying to flip your little token towards the center of the omni-grid from the G or the, or the molecule... Uh, this is some advanced stuff coming from the previous episode, so please don't make this your first episode of the show. Uh, does your do your stats help you in any way in terms of flicking stuff at the grid? They do not. Okay, so what do they do? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> they inform some of your side combat stats mm-hmm. that will help you, but that's mostly just numbers to add on to other things. The stats themselves... Uh, unless you are doing something that's like i am making a strength check there is no skill i'm just doing a strength check they pretty much don't matter Mm -hmm. they just you get the attributes and that's it it really feels like the attributes are in this game because this is supposed to be like the the be all end all of every game ever and they were like well every game has attributes we have to put some in here so he he just did yeah they don't seem connected no, it's, it's the almost whole like thing he was worried that people like, get mad oh, at him. Well, I needed a way to figure out what your initiative bonus would be, so here's 12 stats and you'll take the average of two of them and find that out. Yeah. All right. Uh and then there's all these grids for how like examples of how smart and relevant each one. Like I'm looking at the intelligence grids right now and the uh the, it goes in this order for intelligence. While is only a times 1 and that's your stat augmentation. Uh even is a times two, augmented is a times three, epic is a times four. Uh, so even is what a human would have in terms of intelligence quotient. So if you have a level two in that, you're stupid. You have a room temperature IQ. If, you, if you have a level four in that, you're a genius. You might have a scientific theory named after you. Uh, but if you're a level four in epic, then uh, 
you are regarded as being twice as smart as a genius level human. So at a certain point, they give up on trying to come up with descriptions. Oh no! All and of instead, these just things, do table multiplying. Yeah, all the epic and like the times three times four tables are. You are two times as smart as a person that would normally be two times. Yeah, you're four times as smart as someone who is one quarter as smart as you. Yeah, good. You did it. What a wonderful, expressive way to get me to know exactly what I'm looking at. Hey, the one nice thing about when, when I'm flipping through all these things is at least it tells me what all these stats that are in the game actually are. I was a little worried that it wouldn't, but eventually there are single-sentence descriptions for each one. Uh, for example, appearance, physical beauty. Appearance is your level of physical presence and how it attracts or repels others, especially the opposite sex. <sighs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to fail the test. I've, well, I mean, it's failed it twice before in the previous episode, so yeah. that's, that's not too surprising, yeah. Uh, there are several, though, that I've never seen as stats before, so I was excited to run into them. Like, uh, there's one... Focus is your ability to filter out distractions and hone in on pivotal events, objects, or characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, memory is, stri- is strictly your ability to retain information, which is great. I love when that's a stat, because as a person who is deeply challenged of memory... Yeah, you could just be like, fuck you, can I roll I this? Just, I just roll it up yours, please. Well, normally I'm not combative about that, because what happens is I'm attacked for not remembering random things from people's campaigns that I'm in. They're like, how come you not remember this? We've, we've met this character like five times before, and I'm like, ah, please don't hit me. I'm bad at memory. Remembering. <laughs> I'm bad at memory. <laughs> I'm bad at memos. <laughs> me no have memory. So sorry. I'm just babies. I'm, me baby with spood. Ooh. Yeah, like, and even when I try and take notes, I just lose the notes, because that's another kind of memory. So I... So for me, having a whole stat that's like, I don't have to remember this shit is fantastic. Hmm. Watch as I invest in it heavily. Although, ultimately, it's bad because as a person with no memory, I shouldn't be forced to invest heavily using in-game resources to make up for my actual real-world shortcoming. Eh. Yeah. Uh, And so on. There are three prime stats and I think 12... uh, Uh, Six prime. Because there's three categories... Two primes in each category, three expressives in each category. There you go, that's how you get to the 15. Okay. Yeah. So physique is uh, one category with strength and constitution as your uh, prime. Mm -hmm. Intelligence has IQ and reaction, which, why are we still doing IQ in this, the year of our Lord, whenever this was made? Which which part of this game was leading you to believe that they would skip something like that? (laughs) Uh, And then essence has force and wisdom as its two. And then there's... The expressives in there, which are all just meh. There's a very great deal of them, and don't worry about it. Yeah, and then you have to go through that to then also find out what, like, your bonus to hit and your bonus to initiative and your bonus to reaction. So here's the here's the substats. Each one of these is an average of two of the previous stats. Uh, initiative, speed, impact, evade, parry, endurance, block, hit, impression, fate, and power. Yeah. Uh, and each one of those is a a half of two other stats. There are several stats that don't make it into the ha- the uh, substat determination at all, and there are others that appear a great deal of times. Uh, for example, you really do want to invest heavily in reaction in this game because of the 11 substats, reaction's in like six of them, and it's all the good ones. Yeah, reaction, focus is another one that's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you plan on being a like melee person then sure go ahead and get strength because that's mostly going to affect your ability to block and your ability to hit hard yeah but if if you're not if you felt like putting a lot of points into luck 
you know, change your ideas about that because it doesn't do anything by itself and it's only in one other substat, which might as well just be luck again. Yeah, it's like, what is this? Uh, it's it's luck, but now it's called fate, but you have to take the average of luck and force. And, you know, that's fine. Force was one of the good ones anyway. Uh, force is not, it, it's, in, it's in one other substat. It's only, the only other place it shows up is in power. Yeah, so, man. So force can either be power, which honestly, those are synonyms, and and luck can only be fate, which again, those are basically synonyms. Uh, it's not the substats do not paint a healthy picture of what you, how you should invest your stats. No. So you have to be really careful when you're building. You're trying to optimize a character in this. There's a lot of stats that are obvious dumps, and it doesn't matter what kind of character you were trying to build. You still dump them. Oh yeah. There's just things where you're like, oh, I guess I'll just not put any points into luck because who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we talked uh, for a while in the previous episode about the powers that exist in this game. Uh, they're divided into techniques for the martial type classes, spells for the spell type classes, and straight up actual powers for the uh, like superheroes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one of the other things you get to do with your points. You get 36 or so points to make a medium height ga- character in this game. Uh, it, I didn't even realize this until uh, fairly recently that the game is point by. Yeah. Yeah, I found the point by chart, which has like three different. This is when I was trying to make my bonus character, obviously. Yeah. Um, the game has three different power scales you can build to, but you can use those power scales varyingly at various points throughout character creation. You can be like, well, I want to have an epic amount of character creation points here, but a neophyte amount of knowledge about the world or clothing or something. Yeah, you're like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, uh, for my powers, I've got the super epic one and then my skills are the neophyte because i'm making i don't know super boy or something mm-hmm. yeah so uh okay the next thing <clears throat> we talked very briefly because we didn't really understand what was going on with this uh that when you're building a character in the game there's there's sections for tissue skeleton vitals and blood now this is i want to say way further in the book if you're just jumping around chapters I'm not. I'm I'm kind of going off my character sheet because it's the easiest way to remember all the things I wanted to talk See, about. See, I'm go- I'm going off of the actual book. Okay. Well, we ha- tell you what. Why don't you lead for a little while then? And I will merely step aside. There's the first thing after skills. So I got to stop you right there. Don't. Okay, I won't. So <laughs> right after skills comes not attributes. Dividing skills and attributes is a peril. Uh, right, yes. I mean, I think we talked briefly about apparel last time, but not nearly enough. No, I need to get into apparel for this because this is a system where your clothes have three different stats on mm-hmm. them. Oh, everything in this game has stats. Yeah. So this is every item of clothing you wear mm-hmm. has an environment index for how well it protects you from the environment. Yep. An image index for how good you look in them, mm-hmm. and a comfort index for how comfortable it is that affects how your power regen works. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there's also a whole page that just is a list of fabric types. Oh, yeah. There's two pages of just listing types of clothes, mm-hmm. and then there's an entire thing that's like, oh, here's uh, different clothing types. And that could augment what the stats are. It doesn't tell you how they would augment them. There's a section where it gives you a cloak and then a tailored cloak. Uh, so, yeah, so th- that basically is like if you were, if you buy a clothing off the rack, like an item of clothing off the rack, and it gives you a cloak as an example, which has a uh, 
a in, environment modification of two, a comfort factor of two, and a appearance enhancing value of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, cost is cheap times two. Uh, it's it's uh, but again, these are just the same. It's just telling you what those two what those numbers meant. If en is two, that means cheap times two. If im is two, that means it's it's environment modification is or whatever is is moderate, uh, and it costs you about one thousand and thirty two bits. But if you were to buy a tailored cloak, which instead of having twos in every stat, has threes in every stat, why, that would cost 21,485 bits, or well over 20 to 21 times the cost of the previous one that had twos and everything. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, everyone knows that if I go buy a cloak off the rack, mm-hmm. and then I want to go get a cloak tailored for me, mm-hmm. it's going to cost me 21 times as much as that regular cloak. Yeah, and it gives you an example of what it is. Like, the, the tailored cloak, it says here... The second example illustrates a cloak made of cashmere and colored in a rare crimson dye. The material is more costly than other fabrics and boasts an equal level of physical appeal, insulation, and lightness, making it ideal for nobility. Note that the index values are logical for the concept behind this cloak. Uh. I like that it has to tell you, don't worry, this makes sense. Because the first thing it says in its description is the material is more expensive, but it has the equal levels of physical appeal, insulation, and lightness. And yet, all those stats are higher in this cloak. Yeah. So it's equal and a little more, apparently. But don't worry, it makes sense. The book actually dedicates a sentence to telling you that it makes sense. Now, one of my favorite things in this is the way that you figure out your total environment or image or comfort is you take all the stuff that you are wearing Mm -hmm. and average the numbers out. Yeah, for each one of your various, like, blocks. So, underwear is a garment that you can wear that has an environment of one, Mm -hmm. an image of two, and a comfort of four. Yes. It is the only piece of clothing that baseline has a comfort of four. That's correct. Now... (laughs) That's not true. A skirt has a comfort of four. Oh, that's true. You can, of course... I apologize. Of course, it has the exact same stats. Yes. It's a one, two, and four for Mm -hmm. a skirt as an undergarment. But that means if I wanted to walk around in just undergarments... Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have a decent look, because two is, ooh, basically Unless every it, single one of these yeah, is a it two. Is. It's every single one of them is a two. The only way you get it above a two is to tailor it specially and make it way more expensive. Yeah, if I have a dress shirt and, like, nice pants, like dress slacks, those are both twos, which means I look just as presentable as if I was walking around in my underwear. Mm-hmm. However, my comfortable factor would be a four and if i put anything else on it would go down unless it was a skirt that's correct which means that generally the best thing you could possibly wear is i I think the best combination is underwear and field pants because field pants have a high comfort value uh maybe there's something better field pants have a one in comfort yeah you don't want to lose that now sweatpants however Mm -hmm. they got a three in your environment and a two in comfort at that point, you'd be a two environment and a three comfort and a two image. Yeah, and also you could add a robes for no additional loss. So if you would like to dress as the Big Lebowski, that's the most comfortable <laughs> thing you can possibly be. And let me tell you, folks, that is what I dress as every single day of my life and can confirm this is the way to be. Also, <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. I have spoken. <laughs> uh I can also tell you that an image of two is probably pushing it. (laughs) 
Uh, well, there's no way to get an image of one. It doesn't. I guess no. You have to nothing wear, has lower than that. Yeah, you'd have to wear something ultra ratty and and have it be like tailored in reverse. But there, like I said, there literally isn't a mechanic for that in the game. There's only a way to to build things upward. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say damage might do uh, it. Like, or if you got dirty, yeah. you could lower the image. But, but it doesn't have a system for that. It's just you have clothes. They, unless you want to spend money. You have a two, no matter what you're wearing in image. Mm-hmm. And then the environment actually isn't higher is always better. It's higher is thicker for cold environments, which means if it's actually warm out, then just wearing undergarments is the best thing you can do. Yep, that's correct. Now, after you're finished with that stuff, you hit the last page of the uh, material or, or of the apparel page. Zzz, zzz. And uh, my, it's my favorite one because it's just it's page 180. It's common materials. And it is just a list of various materials that clothing might be made out of in various fonts. It looks for all the world like being on a font website. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, this font is named Burlap. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's Ooh. interesting. I'm making a wedding invitation. I might need to use this one that's called polyester. <laughs> but then- I, w- I want it to seem kind of, you know, friendly and not too serious. I'm going to use jute. I, some of them I straight up recognize. Like, I can tell you what suede is off the top of my head. Uh, but it's, it, it's a whole ass page. One page of this book is dedicated to just going cotton, denim, silk, leather, hemp, fur, nylon in, in various fonts with lots of space. And here's John. Did you know this? This is a secret that you might not know, but I do. This is two pages of this book because this page is reprinted some height, sometime in the mid 400s. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's great about that is it doesn't do anything. Nope. It's, it's got, just nope. a reminder that different fabrics exist and also some fonts. There's no like cotton plus one to comfort. No, all of it is just a list of <laughs> different fabrics. That's it. No meaning. With the best two fabrics, of course, being rubber and skin. Uh, when you're when you're picking well, yeah, I mean, your fabrics, if I'm, if I'm making something out of skin, then I gotta know. <laughs> Like I'm, I have to assume they mean like literally because there's because leather's another one on here. Yeah, uh, so that has to mean like human skin or or. Uh, it, I assume it's if you're like, well, what comfortability does my skin have? Oh, if you want to just be what like, if I'm uh, just naked. I'm naked. What are my clothes? What are my? Di- what's my dick stats? <laughs> well, it's got a two in image because everything does. It's the only thing in the game with a one in image, Gary. You got an ugly dick. <laughs> I'm sorry, you suffer from stinky dick. <laughs> It should affect its image. This game has four stats about smell. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christ. Okay. Just thought I'd, I'd really like that page. It's the worst. Everything about this is terrible. <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of which, by the way, I actually have open here the, because I just opened up pages to things I thought would be interesting. Uh-huh. I have the uh, the page for your stats on hearing, smell, and taste. We were wondering about this because when you're looking at the character classes or, or character races it'll mention what their their hearing smell and taste abilities are and it doesn't oh i'm sorry sight hearing taste and smell abilities and it doesn't give you any numbers or anything it just gives you words like it'll be what's an elf's hearing like acute oh what's an elf's taste buds like balanced and that's all it says turns out those mean something and they actually do affect other parts of the game in various ways uh so it's weird to me that they just decided not to put touch in there. I know. They, they they keep calling it the four senses, too. Yeah, I'm like, my dude, <laughs> touch is 
a very important sense. <laughs> You'd think it would show up in determining how comfortable your underwear exactly, is. Exactly, because the whole thing with taste is it affects how much extra uh, ether points you can get out of getting food. Mm -hmm. Because this game has an entire system about going hungry yeah you have to pick a favorite food again you'd know it already if you if you had our bonus content access uh but you pick certain foods and you get extra bonuses from eating them and the level of food is also <laughs> how much you can get is based on your level of taste so if you get it goes from like zero to three if you get a level three food you're like oh this is an actual like fine dining experience but if your taste is bland you're just like, I, I prefer a McDonald's hamburger, thanks. You'll eat it and not get the full amount that you would if you had a cultured taste. Yes, yeah, because taste goes from zero to three, otherwise known as tasteless, bland, balanced, or cultured. But also food goes from zero to three. Uh, and you cross-reference the two and average them out to determine the amount of ether points, which is this game's mana engine, uh, that you rega regain from eating that food with a bonus modifier for whether or not that food is your favorite. Yeah, you get double the ether points if it's one of your favorite food or drinks. But this means that if you set your, your taste buds to zero, then you have a hard time getting any ether points back because you, gener you generate zero ether points from eating anything. Yeah, you're now if you have a three taste and you eat fine dining you get a total of 16 back because the most you can get back from a meal is eight. Mm -hmm. And then you double it if it was one of your favorites. You also need to say that it's one of your favorites to get it done. Uh, so this is this is insane. This is basically like, imagine if you wanted to recover some mana in, in Dungeons & Dragons. Like, how do you do that? You go to bed for eight hours and you wake up with it back. Don't worry, it's fancy and don't worry, it's fine. Uh, in other games, even in D&D &D and a lot of other games, they'll be like, oh, well, what about resting? What happens if you get interrupted? Oh, well, here's a handy chart for that. Uh, okay, well, what if you eat fine food? Well, we'll say if you eat fine food, sure, you can get a little more bonus. Okay, well, what if I wanted to cross-reference 16 potential flavor indices versus my own bo uh, uh, favorites and least favorites, also factoring in whether or not I have also eaten recently and the amount that I can eat comfortably at any one time? Now, I need to let you know, I do have a rating in four in Umami. Mm -hmm. Now, my sour rating is a two, mm -hmm. so let's see what kind of food I can get that'll really maximize. Oh my god, the fla the the, uh, the fl four flavors. There's a section in this book that you might as well just call random generation, the cha the three chapters in a row, that's just like a million different things you can spin the token on to determine like, oh, you meet a random passerby, let's see who they are, spin the token. It's an infant. While you were walking through the woods, you encountered a baby. <laughs> there it is, <laughs> it's a baby. He's a surprisingly rich baby. And he tastes like, spins this, unflavored oatmeal. <laughs> but but uh, the flavor chart that you can spin is four results, because everything in this game is four potential results. Yep. And you'd think, because it starts the first one is like pungent slash bitter. And you're like, oh, okay, so it's going to do bitter, sour, salty, sweet, right? Like the four kind of mother flavors. Yeah. But instead it goes bitter, pungent, sour, barista slash liquor. <laughs> I each has two so so I think it's pungent sour and so basically you see like little hints here and there of, of mentioning the four base flavors but they skip one like carbon adds up to coffees and liqueurs is the flavors of this one great Thank, <laughs> thanks I guess <laughs> it's so weird it's a it's an odd thing that for a, a game that wants to be universal they're like 
hey, here's four out of the five senses. Also, here's a, a thing for flavors. We left some flavors out. You're like, <laughs> what are you? Why? I mean, it's not even like, oh, well, I was limited to only four because you had four. There's four base tastes. No, but even with like the 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 senses, if you were like, oh, well, I had to use four because that's what my game is based on. I'm like, my dude, you have an entire fucking token with a billion different symbols on it. You could make one be like, uh, I take the one that's a D10 and just turn it into uh, like one and two is one and three and four and is if he, if he needed five to get yeah. all, all the flavors in there. Like, I'm willing to accept that that's probably something that you could do, potentially need to do. People have routinely added umami as a potential fa- flavor umami. to the uh, to the base four, umami being the kind of the flavor of meatiness or unctuousness. Um, this game doesn't have that. It also doesn't have sweet. Which, what? Mm. <laughs> like, I can... I can understand if someone's like, I don't truck with that umami. That's not a thing I know about. But not having sweet is like, but that's a that's one of those main things that people have. <laughs> well, you got to make room for barista. Well, what if, I mean, if my character's like, what's your thing? Oh, one of my favorite foods is candy. Oh, I'm sorry. Sweet will never come up. It can't. <laughs> I guess you can call it pungent or something. Whatever. I, I enjoy pungent candy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, I don't remember what comes when in the book. Uh, I do. I have it open. Then, by all means, please continue. All all I have open is my pages of favorites. Yeah. Now, (laughs) I don't remember if we talked about polarity in the last episode. At the end of the last episode, we were mentioning that the game has an extremely complex and weird-ass alignment system. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much a uh, neutral and then three steps of positive and three steps of negative. Apparently, one of the things that you can generate by spinning a token is plus, 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 and then, again, one to three minus symbols. Those are things you can also generate by, they're just in the big web of stuff on the Omnigrid, and those show up for polarity checks. Yeah. Now, (laughs) we mentioned this in the bonus content when I was talking about my character, but there is zero reason to ever be anything but neutral. That's correct. Being neutral doesn't uh, flavor anything in the game or being good or bad will make it bad will make things bad for you no matter what you do yeah because if you are on the uh, plus side of things and you're being a good character there is a list of things that you cannot do and if you do any of them then you get negative karma which is just i get to fuck with you Mm -hmm. uh and of course, you can get some positive karma if you act in according with whatever you are, whether you're good or bad. Mm-hmm. I think this this section, I, I haven't read it in a bit, but I believe it, it screwed up in the descriptive language when they were writing out how it worked. So it was like, hey, if you're good and you do good things, you, you get negative karma. Or you get, I'm sorry, you get positive karma. And if you're bad and you do good things, you get positive karma. Because they forgot to reverse it and make it bad guys get rewarded for being bad. Yeah, and <laughs> it's really weird to me that even the lowest level of negative, mm-hmm. like if you don't want to be at all, like I'm not even an altruistic like person mm-hmm. and I don't want to be neutral because I do want to have, you know, some sort of personality to me that's one way or the other. The encouraged behaviors for the lowest level of bad is betrayal, fraud, extortion, theft. Mm-hmm. I'm like that seems more than just being a little mean. 
Yeah, this section is full of examples of how players might act in a given situation. It'll be things like, okay, so let's say your character has the middle rank of good modification, the plus-plus level of polarity, and they are a surgeon, and someone comes in from the cold and, and needs immediate attention, and unfortunately they don't have money to pay. As a plus-plus person, you would provide them with service free of charge, but probably re- remember their name so you could you could seek them out for a favor or something later. You have a apparently calculated 55% chance of acting in this manner. Yeah, the... <laughs> The other thing about being evil in this is uh, I was just looking at the step between a negative and a negative negative is adding on to betrayal, theft, extortion, and fraud. If you go to two, now you're up to murder, rape, and torture. Yeah. And I'm like, where do you go for that to get to three? And the only thing three adds is chaos. Yeah, whatever. Something tells me that this guy is a fan of the Joker. Yeah, well, you know, the psychological traits for triple negative is psychopathic and uncontrollable. Similar to cool comics characters like the Joker or Carnage. (laughs) You know, the kind that sucked and people liked them a lot in the 90s for no good reason. (laughs) Only when Mark Hamill voices them and no other time. Uh, Actually, a Mark Hamill Carnage would be pretty great. I mean... I'm one of those people that goes to bat for Carnage as a concept all the time. Mm-hmm. He's just very rarely presented well, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. most of the time they use him as just like, what's this? It's a garbage Joker. It's it's yeah, just he's, someone's murder. Yeah, he's, he's redneck Joker is basically what he is. He's just like, basically, he is the country Joker to the Joker city Joker, <laughs> which honestly is a comic I would like to read. <laughs> Sure. Country Joker. Quit ripping up that house. We do things with class here. (laughs) But I got some blood everywhere. It's the way I does it at home. I'm a Cletus Cassidy. (sighs) Yeah. So that's your alignment. And again, just just be neutral. Nothing is restricted it's There's not no point idea. where you'll be like that's the great thing is nothing is restricted so you can just be like oh i'll act like a character rather than an alignment yeah that's correct and there's no you, you get no negative or positive karma but positive karma sucks and negative karma is the dm fucking with you yeah positive we karma is just like oh i i guess i can add like a plus one to something boy who gives a shit? Yeah. Just let me play my character. Yeah. Yep. So one of the, actually the big thing we have not gotten to yet. Combat? Is combat. I've, I have so much about combat. <sighs> combat, if you remember from our last episode when we were talking about skills and how that is done, mm-hmm. combat does not work at all like that. No, it's a whole other thing. It's a It's a fourth way of doing things. So there is an entire system here where, because this game issues dice, every action you take is going to be, ooh, a good minute of watching a token spin. <laughs> or Yeah, you have to watch the token spin, or slide the token, or toss the token. I mean, Sometimes sliding the token, you pretty much get what you're going to get immediately Mm -hmm. but most of this shit is just spinning it well uh, my favorite is okay so say for example you want to just punch someone right well first you have to choose whether you're going for a called shot or a freeform strike freeform strike sounds like it's going to be you know like you're describing a thing without like some sort of structured move behind it but all it really means is no called shot 
Uh, in that case, you're going to need multiple percentile die rolls, uh, a couple of different slides on the token chart, potentially some defensive slides and, and rolls, and it's going to take forever. But uh, those percentiles are generated by spinning the token until it lands on a 1 through 10, then spinning the token again until it lands on a 1 through 10, and then assembling those into a percentile result. Yep. To get your initiative, everyone spins a token to get a 1 through 10 to add to your initiative, initiative score, score mm-hmm. which at this point, you're basically asking all of your players to buy their own token. You're like, oh, everybody has to chip in $20 for their own token, because if you've just got the one, then everyone's like, all right, I got to watch that guy spin a token. Eventually it falls and he gets a seven. Great. Now it goes to the next guy. He spins the token. And instead of everyone just rolling quickly and having a number, you sit there forever as shit spins. Imagine how mad you are if you're the RM of this game and one of your players just quietly brings a D10 up in his hand. And he's just like, well, I'll just get my initiative real quick. And you have to be like, hey, hey, no, you spin the token. That's not this game. But it generates a random one through ten. This thing generates a random. (laughs) We use the true randomness of this really complex token on this really stupid grid. And the problem with it is, outside of combat, where, you know, maybe multiple people would need to be spinning, there's zero reason to have more than one, because every other thing is one person sliding, or you're spinning it to get a random result for the DM. I think there's actually some argument, while while, uh, combat requires everyone to have their own tokens so that things don't take forever, skills require everyone to have more than one of their own tokens so that you can slide quickly inside of the arbitrarily short time limits. (laughs) Yeah, but then you would have your other token in the way of the other slide, which would hurt. No, curling rules. If you can use your second token and knock your first token into a good position, it stays. You play it where it lies. (laughs) But what happens if I get my first token into the place where I want it to be, and now it's covering that area, and I try to use my second token? You stop. You already have one in the success field. Except, as we discussed last time, plenty of skills are like, oh, you need to get it three times into the square. Oh, you just then you just shuffle it out of the way, but you still have your other one already set up. There's no picking it up and replacing it on the G spot. You can oh, just, you got to place it on yeah, that G spot. You can, you can have them stacked adjacent to the G spot and just go faster. You'll get caught up in the crossfire. <laughs> If you play this game right, by buying $60 worth of plastic discs. Uh, no, they're metal. That's why uh-huh. That's why they're expensive. That's why they'll take even longer to spin. I had not considered that, yes. that potential fact. It's, it's why every time they talk about spinning or flipping or doing this, I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. One, any time you would flip this, I'm like, you better have a sturdy-ass table, because this is a thick, big fucking metal token. <laughs> that's amazing. And spinning it is just going to be like, and watching it go. I just figured it was one of those acrylic pog slammers. Oh, no. It's the metal pog slammer. If you had a, one of those brass mm, slammers. I did. Ooh, baby. Yeah. That feels good in your hand. I'm pretty sure I had a blast, brass slammer with a skull on it, because that's the kind of thing you have. that's what you have. Yep. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a brass slammer with Beavis and or Butthead on it. And or. Probably Beavis on one head, Butthead on the other. But that I, I guess... If that's the situation, whose heads and whose tails? Is it is Butthead tails because he has butt in his name and butt is closer to tails? Or is Beavis tails because ultimately Beavis was kind of the stupider one of the two? Well, I don't know that he was the stupider one, but he was definitely the more subservient. He was yeah, the he was, bottom of he was that the bottom relationship. Which, which would make him potentially the tails. However, Butthead's name contains butt, which is considered the tail of the animal. So, John, if you have a Beavis on one head and a butthead on the other side of a coin, how do you determine heads or tails? Uh, or do you, you just call you Beavis just and butthead? You just call Beavis or butthead. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, the way combat works in this is... First, you're going to need a Beavis and Butthead two-sided coin. <laughs> you're going to try and attack someone. Now, you're going to have a hit stat that got derived from your attributes. You're going to spin your thing. You're going to get a number. Mm-hmm. You're going to add that together. The other person is going to pick one of four different reactions to this. That's correct. you got parry and dodge, you've got, counter-strike. You've got block, parry, dodge, and... Turn. Ha-ha. Thrust. <laughs> uh, and then there is... What's the last one? Because there's four you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, block, parry, dodge, and then I think it's... What's in the box? Uh, it's pick what's in the box. It's pick what's in the box. Mm-hmm. Or do nothing. That's mm-hmm. the other one, because that is an option, because it makes everyone, after you get attacked, has a counterattack. Yes. Uh, unless you specifically do block is the only one that doesn't give you a counterattack. But if you say uh, parry or evade, you get a counterattack, and uh, it's either a free form if you're parry, or free from or, or focused attack if you do an evade, and if you do nothing and just sit there and let them hit you, you get just whatever kind of attack you want. Uh-huh. Now, <laughs> I would like to mention that blocking does not inherently have anything going for it that makes it super easier that you would be... Like, oh, I'm giving up an entire attack every time someone hits me to block. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no real reason to choose that over something, because all you're doing is you have your block mod, and you roll, or you spin, mm-hmm. and the other guy's got an attack mod, and they spin. And that's it. Yep. And it's the exact same thing of, I have a parry mod and spin, and you have your attack mod and spin for parry i believe it's similar to the palladium system where there are certain attacks that can't be parried and must be dodged uh and there and, and dodges are things that you have to spend resources for but parries you don't have to like parries the more permissive of the two well for ranged attacks you can block and evade but you can't parry. exactly yeah uh but evade has a little bit more difficulty to it because evasion is Pretty much just spin mm-hmm. and see what you get because there's not really a lot of evasion bonuses. Right. So if you want to evade, you have more options for what you can get out of the way of, and your counterattack has more options. It's just harder to pull off. Yeah. So, like I was mentioning earlier, there's a difference between freeform attacks and uh, focused attacks. And focused attacks. The difference between freeform or the thing that freeform attacks lets you do is look at the freeform attack target chart. Now, we mentioned earlier that there's a grid that has numbers running from 1 to 10. That grid can be differently interpreted to give you numbers between 1 and 25. And the reason for that is because the number of body locations you can attack on the human body in this game is 25. <sighs> now, it looks like one of those feng shui like this is the part like when you get like a foot massage, this is the part of your foot that oh, affects Oh, it's very the... acupuncture. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But if you happen to get pretty much a 21 through 25 in this... Yeah, you have to hope that the person has those body parts. Because t- 21 and 22 is wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, 23 is tail. Or any other appendage. Well, any back appendage you might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
24 is a weapon or item, and 25 is a shield. Yeah. So a 21 through 25, if you're trying to hurt a guy, if they don't have wings, a tail, or like a shield or a weapon, you don't really do anything to them. And even if they do have a weapon, you just hit the weapon. It's not like you hurt them. Right. So uh, yeah, there's a nothing... good fifth of your options in this are just like, oh, I didn't do anything. Even though I all, <laughs> I hit and they had a chance to defend, I still have to actually hit. And then I have to slide onto this thing to see where I hit. And when I do slide on here to see where I hit, I might just not hit again. And then yeah. they can counterattack me, which means my attack did nothing and I got slapped in the face. Now, you would think maybe we're just, obviously, this book is 450 pages long. Maybe we're just missing the part where it says to re-roll if it hits, like, wing and you're shooting at a regular guy. Uh, that does not exist. No. Instead, you if you if the only way you have to get a re-roll is if the token doesn't land on the grid at all uh, or if it doesn't... Uh, if it like lands on the grid in a way where you can't tell where it landed. Those are the only ways you re-roll. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is in between two numbers, so I don't know. Yeah. Now, there are multiple, like John was saying, you have to you have to slide first to see if you hit. Then you uh, spin to see where you hit. If you're hitting a smaller target, you have to slide more than once. And if you're hitting a moving target, you also have to slide more than once before you, before you uh, know for sure that you hit. The maximum number of times you can be forced to slide if you're trying to hit a small target at range is six. Uh, so if you're like this, I'm trying to hit this bird, but I'm moving along on a motorcycle or something and try and shoot at it that you can still do it. If you're really, really good at sliding carom boards, but you'll have to do it six times in a row. Uh, well, actually it's the spinning cause your attack is the spin. That's right. It's the hit location. That's that. So it really is just keep spinning and see if you fuck up mm-hmm. and get like a one instead of a seven. Well, Cause I'm looking at, at, at the, if you're trying to make a focused attack to hit a small target, you need two additional token slides to hit the opponent slash target. Uh, well, yeah, cause you're, if you're focusing, you're trying to hit a specific part. Oh, so free form, you don't even have to do a slide at all. No, no you're right. To execute a free form, you spin the token from the center of the action grid circle slash zone one or flip the token into the action grid, beginning from the molecule logo. The numbered zone where the sights land represents the target on the opponent's body that, ha- that that is to be hit. Afterwards, the token's element glyphs are interpreted for the damage level that manifests on the target. Now, that, Ooh, means, that damage crap. Yeah. So you are much more likely to actually hit something good doing the free form attack because going from the middle and just spinning all of the like middle of the body numbers mm-hmm. are in the middle of the grid. That's right. So if you can just know how to spin so it doesn't like move much, yeah. you can pretty reliably hit the head or neck or at least the abdomen. You're very good at hitting center mass and or dick. But if you try and slide or flip whatever from the molecule, there's a chance, again, that you'll just, oh, oops, it landed on... 25 and now i didn't hit anything yeah all right john may i take a moment a sidebar if you will Mm -hmm. to mention the mass conflict scenario and how it how it operates i will give one quick thing that i want to mention because you had said it in there yeah yeah the way damage actually works oh god yeah please do so weapons don't just have a damage it's not like i'm using a sword it does two damage and I have an impact of one, no. I get three total damage. They do. They have multipliers instead. That's All weapons are just multipliers. Well, the, <laughs> the problem is, you also have to interpret the 
glyphs on there to see what type of damage you do that's right and how they, damaging it is they again range from zero to three uh where zero in this case i believe is the carbon glyph and results in only soft damage which is like the stun track it's actually a combination of two ah you <laughs> you spin the thing and whatever the top two glyphs are for the elemental ones. Now, how do you determine which one's at the top? Are they the ones that point towards the furthest part of the chart away from you? Yeah, anything okay. that from you would be like, I mean, if you are facing north would be due north. Okay, so because well, obviously the glyph has it, has it, uh, or the, the direction, the, 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 uh, the chart has a tail on it that you have to flick things down. So it's a track, and the bottom of that track is where you would be. So anything at the top of the sheet would also obviously be at the top of the track, so they'd be the ones that are the farthest away from you. This is on the token. This has nothing to do with the track. It has to, because otherwise... No, the, the glyphs are on the token. No, I know, but the, in order to interpolate which ones are on the top or bottom of the token, you need to have a positional beginning so you know where... You are the positional beginning oh, okay. from wherever so, you yeah, are. I was going to say, because it works just as well by using the grid as, an, as, a, uh, as a loci, because you'll, you'll end up with... I stand at the tail of the grid, which means that the the ones that are the yeah, but you glyphs, don't need to be at the grid. It's no, just no, from you whatever yeah. is. But at you're the always going to be it. on the grid. You always spin on the grid. Well, if you've only got one grid, not everybody has their own grid. It's assumed that everyone has their own. Grid. <laughs> everyone has their own grid, their own token, mm -hmm. their own game. <laughs> Everyone's playing a different game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so you add the two topmost together. And at the low end, you end up just doing marks of damage, and marks are like superficial damage, and it takes 10 marks to even do one health level. That's correct, yeah. So if you get, I think it's air and carbon mm -hmm. are the lowest things you can get, then you're not even, even when you hit, you're just sort of doing superficial damage. Mm -hmm. And then you can go up from there to do like actual like hit point damage, doing uh damage that is multiplied because you could do one two or three mm -hmm. hit point damage and then depending on the weapon you're using if it has tiers to it will then allow you to multiply that mm -hmm. so if i have a t1 then i just take one two or three or the marks yeah if i have a tier two then if i got a one two or three on that i would multiply it by two yeah, yeah. So you even after you hit and they so you spin, they spin. We all spin. You spin again to see where you hit them. Now you spin again to see the damage. Do you or do you just you look do. at where it's lying on the hit chart and go like, oh, the, the ones that are farthest away from me are the ones. No, you have to spin afterwards. Oh, you actually do spin again for damage. Okay, yes. how nice. It's great. You'd think that the fact that the token has multiple interpolatable uh, interpolatable meanings on it at any given I mean, time. You could just say like, yeah. look, man. Whatever my last spin was before damage, just let me count that. Uh huh. But because the numbers mm -hmm. are fixed to where the glyphs are always, there will always be a point where you're like, oh, if I do hit because I got a high number, it will also always generate the same type of damage. So in order to mm -hmm. randomize your damage, in addition to randomizing your hit, you have to spin it again. I'm going to let that slide, but only because I really want to talk about mass combat. That's fine. You yeah. can talk about mass combat now, because that example is stupid. Yes. 
the mass combat system in this game is hilarious because normally if you were going to try and run a mass combat, you'd be like, well, there's some randomization to this. We'll, we'll, we'll give this side a plus two bonus or whatever because they're bigger. And then both teams roll a D6 and let's see who wins, right? Or more relevantly, if you're trying to design a modern game, you just discern what side wins. Don't do mass combat as a thing that you also have to calculate out unless that's literally the focus of the game. Trust me, your players aren't going to be that interested if you're sitting there rolling for the Saxons for 20 minutes. And you're like, hey, guys, they just landed a cannon barrage. Yeah, if if that's your jam, play a tabletop war game. Yeah. Don't play an RPG. Yeah, but in this case, instead of doing any of the randomization elements, you just measure dick size. Uh, except that dick size, obviously much was in real world dick size, has like 40 fi- different elements that are rele- relevant to it. Well, yeah, I mean... Sure, this is a big dick, but it's also stinky dick. Yeah, and you don't want that stinky dick. What if you got a high smell value? Uh, okay, so here's the things you do to determine uh, how you're doing at mass combat. Again, you're just going to add all these numbers up and then compare them against the other army, who is also just going to add all these numbers up. Uh, first, you're going to rank each faction in the army based on the following metrics. Modifiers, uh, you're going to assign appropriate scores for all of the following modifiers for each faction and then average the result. Uh, initiative, speed, block, parry, evade, impact, hit, and endurance divided by eight. Uh, you may think I'm done. I am not. That is the first of 12 different things. <laughs> uh, the next one is weapons. You'll determine what type of weapons each faction is armed with and then multiply their EFF rank by their range value, uh, which means that you are, you're taking two of the stats on the, on the weapon, multiplying them by each other. Uh, and then adding those totals together to generate the second number you're going to use. Same thing for armor. Then for training, you're going to estimate the average proficiency that each party has with all their weapons. Uh, Then you're going to get a value ranging from 1 to 4, which, weirdly, you're going to add a number between 1 and 4 to the total of this result. (laughs) The example result, the result is like 296,000, so adding a 4 to that is not very impressive to me. Uh, powers. You'll assign a number of powers known to the majority of the party in the, in, in the mass combat. So if everyone on one side knows how to shoot laser beams from their dicks or whatever, you're going to factor that in. And to your it, dick numbers. Yeah, it'll give you, uh, you're going to multiply this figure by an estimated level of power development between one and three, and you're going to add that in. That's the number of powers times the numbers one through three. Uh, same thing for techniques, which are basically just a type of powers. Then you need to calculate vehicles. Uh, you're going to take each number of vehicles and then multiply them by a, by a modifier for each type of vehicle to come up with an additional number. So, for example, if your group has a number of, of ocean-bound destroyers in it, you'll take that number of destroyers and multiply it by the destroyer modifier, which is 75. Uh, okay, then you're going to calculate and randomize the outcome, uh, add all of these subtotals together, then average all of them, multiply the figure by the total number of troops in the faction for a final metrics figure, so you're going to take that average of all those things we just worked out, multiply it by the number of troops, spin the token to get a 1 through 10, multiply that result by the 1 through 10, uh, repeat this process for every faction that's that's participating in the conflict, and the one with the highest number wins. Yeah, and the faction examples they have at the end is just math, 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 one side has 240,000, the other has 396,000, congratulations, faction two, nothing happened, we just spun two tokens and went, oh, you win. Given that ultimately you end up with a number, like, it, it gives you the example here, the, the luck aspect of it is multiply a certain, at a certain point, multiply all the results by a D10. Uh so they hit, they hit a point where, after all the calculations of how the size of one army, it had a metrics figure of 80,000. The other one had a metrics figure of 99,000. That was the one that was going to win anyway. Uh, then they rolled a D10 and multiplied their, their... Sorry, they spun a token to generate a number between 1 and 10. Yes. And they multiplied those initial metrics figures by that spin result 
which is the randomization, but the randomization feels a little too much in this situation, actually, when you look through it. I mean, it's fucked up that you look Certainly at this. Certainly hard to tell. And unless someone is essentially doubling out your final figure that you're multiplying, it really is just a flip of a coin yeah. who won. You spend an hour calculating a bunch of... And note that most of the stats I mentioned are made up on the fly for the... Like the part where it says, assign appropriate scores for the following modifier for each faction. Average the result. Initiative, speed, block, parry, evade, impact, hit, and, and uh, endurance. Those stats don't exist anywhere. You're making them up as you go along. As well, you're I mean, they the do exist value. for individual people. For individuals. This is talking about the the effective average of a huge army. Yes. You're making these numbers up as you go along, and then you're just expected to do it again and again. And like John was saying, ultimately, unless someone ends up with one army being overwhelmingly more than 10 times the size of the other army, you might as well just flip a coin for the end. Yeah. You just do all this math, and then you're like, Oh, my army sucks, but I, I flipped a 10 and you flipped a 1, so I guess fuck you. The next thing uh, after that section, by the way, when you just scroll down one more page, is the combat cycle. Uh, the flow chart the of flow, how to do combat. The flow chart of combat is six pages long. Uh, <laughs> ostensibly involves 10 steps, but but a lot of that is already is, is split into... It, I mean, this thing is nuts. I would like to just start reading it to you, but I am not going to because we are already very close to done. Yeah, no, just, it's just it's take it from me. Just a a bunch of dumb nonsense. There's just lot, trust me. Like four Y, for example, is the attack is destined to connect. However, eligible opponents are granted a defense opportunity. Defensive maneuvers including blocking, parrying, evading, and taking cover. The attacker and defender each spin the token to determine if the defense attempt was successful. <sighs> Sigh. It's just oh, there's so a much giant fucking flow chart there's now. A- I'm going to real quick talk about a couple things. Take over. Uh, so, Ether, we had mentioned a few times, uh, it does have charts for your gaining back Ether points. Mm-hmm. That's that's stuff that's factored. We were talking earlier about food. Yeah, but also uh, you have a per hour, depending on your state of rest. So if you are exhausted or in severe pain, you don't gain anything back. Uh, all the way up to if you're asleep, you'll get five per hour. Mm-hmm. So generally, you're going to get in a day 40 from having sleep. If you're just sleeping in your underwear, then I think it ends up becoming uh, 80 mm-hmm. instead of 40. And then you also have to say, well, how much did I eat? How many times did I eat? How good was the stuff that I ate? Mm-hmm. There's, How good is my sense of taste specifically? Yeah. Were any of the things I ate my favorite? And there is an entire chart for that. Now, the best thing for this is there is pages and pages of, well, here's the different ways you can do it. Here's the hourly thing. Here's different, like, comfortability of eating things. Here's what it would be if you have this taste level versus this food. And then at the very end, it goes, or you can just say you get 78 EP a day on average. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, thanks, my dude. Yeah, good job. But one thing you can't do is skimp on figuring out which one of these fine fonts your clothes are made of. (laughs) That's so important, we put it in the book twice. Except also, the like seven-page clothing section also has a, eh, you don't need to use this if you don't want to. The whole section's an optional module. Oh, man, I'm now looking at the tissue sample section, and I had forgotten that it starts with a picture of our our heroine, the main character, who's in all the, the chapter headings, is like this 
you know, sexy white-haired poser art babe who actually looks really bad. Yeah. And in this case, she's topless, but you can't see anything because she's being scanned by a robot's boob-examining laser. <laughs> yeah, this boob, this robot is wearing a breast inspector hat and shooting <laughs> laser beams at her tits. Yeah, shooting a big, wide, opaque laser beam at her tits. And she's lying back in what appears to be just a puddle of inky blackness because, you know, you got to stop designing these things at some point. Uh, and I, I guess just enjoying this boob scan, <laughs> I guess. Now, the the different uh, bits for like, oh, if your flesh is made out of synthetic or elemental rather than organic, there's some different things that like it doesn't take damage from lower level types of hits. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it's just unnecessary complexity. But and- but each one of those things we mentioned at the top of the hour in terms of uh. When you're building your character, that the race will tell you, like, okay, your character has a tissue of organic, a skeleton of endo, uh, vitals of biological, and a blood of medium. That's because you're going to get over to this section and see what those actually mean. The reason it was so surprising to you is when you read the book, you see all those in the uh, the list of races, and they're all the same for all the races. Yeah, every single race has the exact same uh, flesh, skeleton, and vitals mm-hmm. layout, and then there's three other options for each and i'm like wait a minute hold on yeah why there's a synthetic flesh here and you have a cyborg as one of your main races you can be and didn't give it to them same thing what with, is this shit same thing with exoskeleton it's, it's they it's so weird that they even bother when they're like ah oh, you can play as a giant snake monster or a demon or a bug man do any of them have any of these relevant different types of tissue builds no no uh, everybody's, if you're a medium size, you got 12 units of blood. Mm-hmm. There's an entire system for when you lose blood and how much blood you lose per, like, either minute or tick of time. And then you've got modifiers depending on how much of your total units of blood are gone. Mm-hmm. There's also an entire chart for what happens if you lose all of your hit points in any given vital area. Yep, for things and like it's liver. Like brain, spine, kidneys, but all of it is just death, 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 death in T minutes, death in T seconds, death in one minute. Yeah, brain is instant death. Uh, the other one that's ultra fast is lungs, which is death in, a, oh no, wait, that's a multiplier. Uh, it, it, death in some multiplier of three seconds. Yeah, so... Anywhere from 1 to 30 seconds. But you're right. All of these are death except for arteries, which is just blood loss, which will just get you anyway. Uh, but even if you were to, say, for example, have your, your dick cut off, that would just cause you a death in a multiplier of numbers of mon- one minute. Yeah. So anywhere from 1 to 10 minutes. Because genitals is one of the ones on this list. And it just says, thankfully, this list isn't just a list of body parts and what happens to you if you, if you lose them. It also tells you what each one of them does. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know the genitals control reproduction. Thanks. I didn't know that my brain controls thought and consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now I do. <laughs> this is important information. My lungs control respiration, you say? Whew. I thought they were used for ripping fat cotton. <laughs> it's got an entire thing here as well for the, did you eat enough? No. If you're hungry, then you've got this much of a penalty. If you're starving, then this. There's just a bunch of things that the game doesn't even seem to give a shit about but put in there because they're like hey we're making an omni game we got to put everything i guess we need to know how much light you have how much encumbrance you have and your environment total and your food needs because someone out there is going to want to play a game that's just 
Oh, well, you're climbing in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Do you have good clothes and food? John, let me ask you. Uh, you may not have read this book, but I think you might have at one point. Have you ever read the book Cryptonomicon, the Neil Stevenson book? No. Okay. Not all of it. Not all. You've read part and given up because yeah, Steve- yeah. Neil Stevenson is very much an acquired taste. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I think I got fairly far. I got a third of the way into that book, which, you know, is 400 pages. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people have no trouble getting their way through Snow Crash and Diamond Age. Those two are the easy ones. Cryptonomicon is where it starts getting tough. Uh, Cryptonomicon has a villain of sorts in it, given that it's got like multiple timelines and places around the world going on at any given time. There's a villain in the modern timeline is this dude named Andrew, and he is obsessed with role-playing game design. And when I first read the book, I thought this is Neil Stevenson's weak point. He has no idea what role-playing game design is. If he thinks this is what a grog looks like, because Andrew Loeb's uh, obsession was ultra realism and he was like oh i've calculated the number of energy points you get from eating a muskrat and then a modifier for how much you get if you cook it based on how many seasonings you have access to (laughs) and so on i was like no one does that that's not real come on neil do do better research than this and then you got this job this is finally the andrew loeb rpg i always wondered if it existed and here we have found it (laughs) i mean i think we've probably seen other rpgs that are a little more Let's try and do hyper-realism. Uh, yeah, but to this level of intricate elements is incredible. Like, I'm not saying it's a good thing. Ult- ultimately, this game is just an unplayable heap. But the sheer amount of things that have been put into it, like the sheer number of... of This is everything. This is every grog fantasy ever. All of them taken from everywhere you could possibly find in a bad idea for a role-playing game from people being like, I like a little more realism in my game. That's why I calculate how often you have to breathe in a minute just in case you have to lose a breath. (laughs) This is all of them being stuffed into a spot. And I mean, uh, I've talked about this before. I played in a game once where I was not allowed to know what my own stats were because real people don't know their own stats. Mm. And it was just second edition D&D. It wasn't some made up. I had to roll all my stats with my hand hidden away from my view. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the main issue I have with this is, like you were saying, the everything in this has too much stuff. Mm-hmm. You get to the, the vehicle section, mm-hmm. and I know that we harp on this a lot. Yeah, Like, any time we do a rpg and it's got vehicle stuff in there it's this entire separate system with all of these stats that have nothing to do with any other stat and it's just it's basically like they tacked on an additional game onto the game that they made and it usually isn't a very fun game no and the same thing with this not only does everything have like a velocity a mileage a horsepower a size how much armor it has if it's not just a land vehicle it's elevation or depth how much it costs but in addition to that you also have things like its flip ratio Mm -hmm. for how likely it is to flip over if you do a turn quickly yeah this one does all that jeeps have terrible center of gravity stuff it's got like oh well what's the level of repairs how hard is it to repair does it have special maneuvers can you do like a snorkel on this thing. You're like, what the fuck? What what does any of this matter? You've given me all of these numbers, and then there's no system that's like, oh, and if you're trying to chase after someone, like, here's how that all gives a shit about anything. Instead, you're supposed to roll on some generic combat table. Sorry, not roll. Spin and flip and drop and twist and bop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just And too, it has it's an entire chart for random vehicles because like everything in this game if you want to use that token and just look at like the squiggly lines to figure out which type of vehicle you're looking at ooh it's got you 
Yeah, if you want to use the random element tools to generate a random character in this game, get ready to spend upwards of 40 minutes building a single random person because there are there's like a section for the slant of eyes that you can roll for randomly. Yeah. There's a there's a how thin of lips does the person you're talking to have from big juicy DSLs to regular thin scared lips. Like it just goes on like that for forever. You can roll just it's perfect for if you're the kind of like folk who would like to just sit there and generate a random NPC like one tiny detail at a time. But if you're trying to do anything on the fly, which is usually what random generation is there for, if you're like, oh, I don't have an idea, I'm just going to random up a, a person for you to meet. Mm-hmm. But with this, you're like, hold on, let me random up a person for you to meet. You guys can take a break, have lunch, whatever. I'll be done in about mm, 30 to 40 minutes. It would be nice if it provided you with some baseline stuff. If it's like, hey, you're wandering through the woods, what are you likely to meet? Yo, well, you could skip <laughs> steps one through eight and say it's a regular guy. You, you, we can mean, st- you skip a- steps one through eight and say it's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Well, now you're automatically running for your life from Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Uh, in a kung fu fight ah, with Shia your Le- leg it's caught in a bear trap <laughs> god i love that thing uh, <laughs> but even like the environment is like hey did you want to spin there's one of four different types of environments and then you can see what kind of plane it has and the impressions and the growth features and of course the terrain layout of four different types the terrain texture <laughs> you're like what why is why am I spinning for all of this? What is happening right now? Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's. I guess if you really are the kind of person who's like, well, I have three out of the 75 ideas I need in order to design a, a field that we're standing in, I better randomly roll and see if there's any lava fissures here. <laughs> then this is this is the game for you. Um, but, oh my gosh, it just has too much stuff. And not in the AMPM way where it's too much good stuff. Yeah. I mean, every... Uh, like villain or monster or anything you would fight in this. And it does have a very small beast, Jerry, but they all have full character sheets. Mm-hmm. There's no... There's no shorthand monster. No, there's no thing where you're like, oh, it's got X hit points and its bonus to hit is three. Yeah. There, fine. No, you have to have a full character sheet to know every single one of the ways that it functions in this world's weird thing where everything takes a different type of spin. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's not much else we can really get around to saying about it because we've already gone very long. I will say one more thing. Just I will, one. I will allow it because usually I'm the one who goes long. Yeah. This game ends with an entire chapter on how to play this game by yourself. <laughs> And Maybe I think I that's beautiful. That is amazing. I mean, granted, that's a very important chapter in this book, I, I would imagine. And it's one of the things where I'm like, oh, I get why you had to have full randomization for literally everything, because that way it's basically giving you a random roguelite version of the game where you're like, oh, I walk into a place. What is it? I'm in a underground cave with lava and it's bumpy and it slopes to the left and you're like oh okay i guess this token just generates a map for me while i go along and then tells me what's in there what's in this cave oh it turns out it's a rich baby that tastes like oatmeal (laughs) now what i really want is the porn version of this game so you can play by yourself (laughs) i meet a sexy babe in a bar she is not a rich baby (laughs) 
She's not interested. She is not interested. It's all spin again. She is not interested. Oh, well, now I just feel bad. <laughs> this really weights my appearance stat too heavily. But yeah, it has an entire thing on solo combat encounters, all of the different ways that you can get, like, real-time communication with NPCs based on flipping and spinning coins Mm -hmm. it is ridiculous and it's just one more way in which i'm like man you really wanted to shove everything into this this uses every part of the buffalo and also the buffalo next to him (laughs) (laughs) it's just too much it's It's, just it's too much it's too much stuff in here Mm -hmm. and we didn't even talk about how uh xp works in this game we didn't talk about a lot of things there's a shitload of there's an entire chapter just on trap making mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> fucking christ there's okay. a section that's examples of the of the ways that you would use your skill your attribute checks it'd be like how would you occasionally use a finesse check oh well you could use a finesse check for example for acrobatics or mountain climbing or a list of the skills in the finesse section of the skill list <laughs> yeah it's it's just <sighs> the xp section also has like a Oh, well, how do I get XP for my stats? Oh, well, usually if you were doing something that used that stat. What if it was a skill? Well, if it was a skill that also sounds like it would use that stat, then get XP for that stat. Yep. Thanks. Which I guess means eventually you'll be much better at using your stats than your skills, given that the two don't relate to each other. Otherwise, Except it's like a hundred times more expensive to up a stat than it is anything else. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, we got to pick a point to cut this bad boy That's off. That's fine. We'll stop and there. I, wa- I want to get to the end of my year. So, John, what, what was your favorite thing about glyphs <laughs> and RPG blueprint? <sighs> I mean, I honestly think the best thing in this book is the how to play by yourself section, because it's the one thing that almost justifies all the dumb nonsense it has. Because at least at that point, you're like, oh, if I'm making a book DM random for me Mm. and not just like doing a module, then I would need a whole bunch of different systems to make that happen. And this is the only way. But the book up until that very last chapter just presents it as shit you would be doing during the game with other people. And it seems ridiculous. And then you finally get to that last bit and you're like. Oh, you don't have any friends, and this is the way you can play by yourself. Okay, I get it. You built this game for yourself, and then you thought, well, I did spend six years on that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's the best thing in this book, because it almost justifies a lot of the dumb nonsense, but not quite. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing in this book is the very, very elemental concept of the game. The idea of a game that works by flicking a a, a disc down a track to land on like a a, a readable grid is actually kind of cool. Oh, yeah. When when I first started looking at this and I was like, oh, it's like those dexterity games where Mm -hmm. you got to kind of like, you know, flick into a certain zone or... There's some board games where it's like, oh, in order to attack, I have to hit this disc with this disc that I flick at it. Yeah. Like, you know, Beyblade or Crossfire or something. It's <laughs> it's neat. Like, that was an interesting concept where I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of see that. But then you look at the token and you're like, what? No, it's, it's something <laughs> else. It, it is almost entirely used for randomizing. Uh, the slides are, are there, but they're mostly just there as, like, traps to stop you from trying to do harder things. Um, so... It's, but the core elemental concept of instead of using 
pure random chance. We're going to work some skill and dexterity into the game's core mechanic. I'm a fan of, much like how when we did that David Sherdawan 200 RPD judging challenge, we were both fans of the one that used push-ups yeah. as the number. The it, muscle it, marines. The muscle marines, because it's an alternative source that, in, that includes some, some uh, de-randomizing elements. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of clever. I mean, ultimately, I don't care for the execution, but the concept is fascinating. Yeah. And what would you say is your least favorite thing in this game? Ooh, that's tough. It's tough because there's kind of a sea floor. Right? Yeah. Well, there's there's so much floating around on the bottom of this ocean. <laughs> it is rich with bad life. Let's just say that at the top, it's very clear. And at the bottom, it's very sedimentary. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. I If I have to pick one thing mm-hmm. to go with. I'm going to say my least favorite thing in this is the race types. Yeah, they're just not that be- inspiring. Well, just because of the, let's have three different things for your flesh, skeleton, and uh, your vitals. All of them are the same, even if they shouldn't be. Oh, way too much of this game, everything is the same. Yeah, it's just, like, that is the like the very focused, narrowed down thing. That's the example of the shit where I'm like... You're making a game that has two billion dumb nonsense things in it, and yet it got to a thing as core as the like species you are playing, and they're all the same, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how the fuck do you write a thing where you've got 27 pages on how to generate a mountain with various like twists, turns, and its like flora and fauna, and then go, uh, what is this? Cat man and a robot. Yeah, they're basically the same. They have the same stuff. And what what races are in your fascinating game? Uh, you know, human, elf, dwarf, cat person, cat person. Great. Yeah, thanks. Sexy vampire. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> and of course, your standard snake with snakes in its armpit. <laughs> yes, obviously. Duh. As has been previously established. No, no, no I got gotcha. you. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the modularity of the game leading, le- uh, hitting a point where there's multiple mechanics to do similar things that don't connect to each other in any way. Oh, yeah. I mean, notably the fact that you have a whole skill system and a whole stat system, and they both are used to determine basically the same outcomes of the same random checks, but don't have anything to do with each other, uh, which means it's it, it's in your best interest to build your skills towards like one thing and your stats towards another so that you could just be like, well, anytime I want to climb anything, I have terrible climbing skills, but I have a really good finesse. So I'll just quietly say, I'm going to use my manual dexterity to climb. And every time I, I need to convince someone, I put no points at all in appearance or, or uh, whatever those, those, those stats are, but I did take a ton of points and seduce the skill. So I'll just use that instead. And there's also no real way that it functions with combat. Yeah, combat's a, whole, a third thing. They're all these separate, discrete systems that don't care about the other separate, discrete systems, Mm -hmm. and there's enough overlap between them that you're like, you could have just cut at least one of these out. Yeah, it wouldn't have hurt the game to to not have the attributes. This game would have been interesting as a non-attribute-driven game, where it was just you build skills, and ultimately most elves are close enough to each other that you don't really need attributes to determine what you, you could be like. You but could the just thing reduce is the attributes are all exactly the same for yeah. like your standard stuff because it's just like all right I put points into it and then I always multiply it by whatever number exactly you could skip them you could just be like elves are elves like sometimes an elf is really strong fine take a technique of plus one strength that's that's good enough or not strength but you know what I mean the equi- the equivalent to plus one strength you know get if, a thing that gives you plus one to your impact and you're yeah. like great I hit hard why do you need so many different me- methods of generating the exact same results it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. so that's going to be my least favorite thing. There you go. And let me ask you the hardest question of all, John. 
as you can probably imagine, this, this question is going to really take some thought and some time, and I want you to really put it into it. Would you play this game? Ooh, ooh, that's that's a tough one. Mm. And I think the answer might be yes, mm. just to see how long it takes to do any given action. <laughs> like if if someone came up to me and they're like, "Hey, I spent twenty dollars. I got this dumb token. Mm-hmm. I want to play a session of this game." I would be like, "I need to know how long it takes to do one round of combat." One of the hard parts for me of doing two part episodes of the show. Is that when we do them, we you know we have our Discord where people can go and talk about episodes after they come out, and we're active on there, and we'll talk to people about things. It's a great way to get get towards us. But when we do this, our system mastery thread, the one about these episodes, is flooded with people who can't wait, and they go out and buy the book, and then they just start reading it and doing their own stuff about it. Well, I mean, and, I did tell them to go download no, the book. Absolutely, I've got. I'm not complaining. I'm saying it's hard for me. Because I have to avoid that thread for a few weeks so I don't steal anyone else's jokes or anything. Yeah. Um, and this is a case where I'm pretty sure a lot of other people have already put... Those, I guarantee you a few of our listeners have bought that stupid disc. Man, like I can almost see getting the one that's like the D4 through D20 That thing. one apparently is sold out and has been for a long time. <laughs> like... It's it's sad that that makes sense, and that's the one you can't get. But if you wanted the goofball token for this thing, oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. $20, please. So I, I find it, it, it's, it would be not difficult for us to play it at this point, because I bet a lot of other people have made the same plunge we have in our Discord, because they were eager to, to launch their own jokes on this bad boy. And the it, nice thing is you don't need the token. Almost everything in this game could be done with D4s and D10s. That's correct. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The only thing the token's for is the skill challenges, and you could ultimately just make up your own. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're like, oh, I needed to get a thing into a thing whatever times, and it's just for skills, because the other two ways that you do it don't care about that. Yep. So you could easily replace it with throwing paper, uh, crunched up paper into a wastebasket, like, and, oh, you need to make three baskets in a row, because it's an especially hard challenge. Or just... Go ahead and say skills don't exist. I don't give a shit. Or just give it a numerical value. Who cares? <laughs> well, yeah, but now you're putting on way more effort than I am. I just want to turn the game into a different game. So I don't have to spend, a 20, spend 20 of my hard-earned dollars on a pog slammer <laughs> that has the word carbon etched in it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You get a D4, 2D10, and, I don't know, a pog. Mm-hmm. Like, not even like a slammer. You're just a pog that you can flick onto a thing. <laughs> Man, you know... I got to have a metal slammer because those are far more predictable sliding across a, a uh, semi-porous surface like paper or something. It's true. Paper on paper is going to kick your ass. You're never, it's never going to work the way you want. You're, you're going to be super inaccurate. Well, that's why you'd flick it instead of try to slide it. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, I, I guess in my case, I am not even interested in testing this game. It's just too many things to pay attention to. Yeah, I, so, I mean, so, that's fair. So I'll be the no. Uh, no, I would not play this game under any circumstances. Then there you go. That's yeah. Glyphs, an RPG blueprint. Yeah, if you want to hear Jeff's character, because we already did mine last week, mm-hmm. and let me tell you, there's enough garbage in a character sheet that it takes like a half hour to get through one character. Yeah, you're not missing much. We It's still a full half hour of content for the last time and this time. Then to get that, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash system mastery. Become a patron. Come on by. You'll get access to all of our bonus content, for any given level you want to go to, you can unlock different levels of content. Yeah. And, and, and five bucks a month gets you everything. 
which is really good because as I understand, if you go over to like, say for example, Max Fun, it's like 10 bucks a month to get everything. And who were those guys? How many episodes of more, how much more Judge John Hodgman did you need? Uh, John, you went to college with Jesse Thorne. Yeah, I did. You learned at an early age that he was a hack and it's not worth giving him $10, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had uh, classes with both Jordan and Jesse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they were pretty funny. I'll, I'll be honest; they were <laughs> my they bit. were some decent guys. But my bit, yeah, you, I mean, they did they did some decent stuff. All right, fine. It was they're, okay. They're actually great. <laughs> so give them your ten dollars. And if you still <laughs> and if you still have five dollars, give it to us because you'll unlock a lot of bonus content. Oh, and of course, that'll give you access to special rooms in our Discord. Mm-hmm. And I, even if you're not a patron. I still say come on to the Discord. There's plenty of people that aren't in there. There are so many free rooms that don't matter if you've got the Patreon or not. Mm-hmm. Just go in there, it's you know, true, have discussion. Pa- Everyone in there is great. I've always said to people that it is astounding to me how non-toxic our fan base is. We've Yeah, it, it, we're very lucky in that our fan base is welcoming, friendly. There's no one toxic. There's no one secretly trying to drop horrible troll messages or anything so far. Yeah, I think I've had to reprimand like two people in the last couple years. Yeah, I had to ban a guy once and that was it. Yeah. That that, that was literally it. Uh, so it's a good welcoming community and you can find your way into that Discord by going to our uh, Twitter feed. If you look at System Mastery's Twitter, you'll see it's the pinned tweet. Yeah. There's a link to that Discord. So go and find us on there and we do engage with people. We'll talk to you. Yeah, me, we're in me, there. Me more than John, but but but. Uh, oh yeah, that's oh, just because I mean, I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm just not talking. That's because John is a conservative or not conservative. I'm a conservative. John's a conservative. Um, and <laughs> it never came up before. Yeah. But you know, I'm socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. Well, it's like I'm fiscally because I want to smoke weed, but I also hate poor people. Like, see, no, no, I don't like to think of myself as a bad person. I like to examine that I'm fiscally conservative and socially conservative. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is John is judicious in his use of language, whereas I am a total motor mouth who consistently has to delete stupid tweets. Yeah. Yeah. No, if so. you, I mean, but if you come on and you at me mm-hmm. in the thing, I'll show up and be like, yo, do, what up? Do do that. Don't at me with something you want for John because you think he doesn't talk very often. You know how often that happens to me? It's a lot. Yeah. People don't like, at I, Jeff. I never see Jeff. Jeff, look at this meme for John. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't care about this meme. That's, that's the why. room is called John Wants Memes. <laughs> what I need to do is create a second room called Jeff Doesn't Want Memes and then just lock the room down. And then, no, and then if anyone <laughs> posts a meme, ban. <laughs> that requires more effort than I will to put into a single joke. But it's a good joke. It is a good joke. You're not wrong there. <laughs> All right, folks. So go to our Patreon. Support us. It's patreon.com slash system mastery. Otherwise, you want to do us a real big favor? Go buy our book. Hell yeah, baby. If you haven't bought our book yet, go buy our book. It's called A Dragon Walks Into a Bar, and it's an old-fashioned joke book with 300 or so jokes. Yeah, like, you, literally, got, you got that, that holiday money now. Yeah, you got, like, go spend like 15 of it on our book. Yeah, spend 15 of it on our book. Get us out of the red in that book so we actually see any royalties ever. <laughs> it would be neat if that happened. <laughs> you know, if I wake up one day, because they only send out royalty checks once every six months, but mm-hmm. if I wake up some month and they're like, hey, you earned like $7, I'd be like, huh. Neat. <laughs> and he'd call me and be like, Jeff, I have to send you $3.50. No, because they'd send you a thing. Because <laughs> unlike our arrangement, they're professionals. That's true. You're right. <laughs> Whereas we are dork hobbyists who happen to luck into low-level uh, non-success. <laughs> Hell yeah, buddy. We're dumbass California bumpkins. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening. You have a wonderful new year. We'll see you in January with all the exciting new content. Until then, you have a good week. Thank you.